uh, name of Lord Jesus Christ, I speak. I uh, thank God that I'm able to uh, come here to join with yourselves um, to have this MYMT 2022. And I'm so thank God that we have moved from online to face-to-face. -face. I'm so glad. I thought I was going to miss out this time, but thank God things had changed. The door was open and we had come together. Praise the Lord. So today I'd like to talk about growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. This is the theme. This is the theme. And um, it is recorded based upon Second Peter. Let's turn to Second Peter. Now, um, before we start, I want to explain that when we come to when we come to um, uh, these kind of uh, workshops or these seminars, it's important that we conscientiously have a change of mentality, right? Because 90% of the time in this world, uh, when we are studying, we are receiving information. And we take things as sound bites. And our nature is that we take things according to what stimulates us, what our heart wants. Yeah? And so therefore, this is very different from receiving the word of God. Yeah, it's very different. So I need you to conscientiously think about that one. Yeah, um, have you uh, realized that when you are filled by the Holy Spirit, the way we listen and receive the Word of God is different, isn't it? Yeah, or when one time God's Word cut into your heart and humbled you, and for a period of time from that period onwards, you'll find that you're really conscientious concentrating on every word that proceeds through the speaker or every word that appears in the Bible, you're conscientious of what you're listening to. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is it's not just a psychological mindset. It's not. It's a spiritual mindset. It's basically begging God let the light of your word enter my unholy heart so that my heart can be holy like you so that I can serve you properly. Okay, now this is a mentality that we all need to have, including myself, right? And I have experienced uh, the fact that, yeah, when you, the longer you serve, you will realize the word of God becomes clearer and clearer and it shines into your heart and you thought you were doing things right in the sight of God, but actually when you examine with the Word of God, you realize that uh, you're not quite there. Yeah, you missed the mark there. Yeah. And it is when the more you serve, the more you reflect, the more God humbles you, then you know that at the same time when you're serving, God is saving you. Yeah. And then you should come to a point that you need to reach for and pursue God to be saved on top of serving yeah and salvation is the major pursuit that is our goal and that drives our servitude yeah and that is important okay so let's turn to uh, second peter second peter chapter three <clears throat> So 
so here it says in the image of Christ I read you therefore beloved since you know this beforehand beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness being led away with the error of the wicked verse 18 but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be the glory both now and forever amen so I want to highlight a particular point of how we practice Bible reading, Bible study. I want to expand your ability to widen the scope of a particular verse. Most of the time, when we're growing up, we're giving one-liners, isn't it? One verse. And so when it comes for you leading Bible study or giving words of encouragement, that verse appears. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and glory, glory both now and forever. Amen. Right? We read it. We quote it. Done. And then we use it to say what we want to say. Right? And that is okay at the beginning. But if we want to understand and let the whole light of the word of God shine into our hearts and to gain more, yeah, and to benefit more, we need to take more verses into the context. Yeah? So if we look at verse 17, it says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Now think about it. Is there a difference between leaving out verse 17 and keeping verse 17 glued to verse 18? Does it make a difference? It makes a difference, right? Because the proper context of verse 18 is verse 17 and verse 16, verse 15, verse 14, da, 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 or before. Otherwise, you don't get the proper context why it's so important to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah? And you probably will even include, well, why does Peter mention about to him be the glory both now and forever? Amen. So it just becomes a, 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 an attachment at the end, right? Oh, that's something that people usually say. Now, we know Peter did things properly. And when they wrote down things, letters, they wrote it in the name of Jesus, right? So whatever they were transferring, the every word counts, right? So therefore, it must be when we read, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is read including all the parts of the verses and then we can get a grasp properly verse 18 does that make sense yeah okay so now we move on now we move on right <clears throat> so we know that if you look at second uh, peter yeah chapter 3 and if you look at the particular context you will find it that uh, peter was actually warning about uh, false prophets right people that twist the word of God okay so let's look at uh, verse uh, 14 uh, to verse 16 verse 14 to verse 16 okay let's all read one two three grow therefore beloved looking forward to these things be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless and consider that the suffering of our lord is salvation as also our beloved brother paul according to the wisdom given to him has written to you 
as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Yeah? Now, I know that probably most of you may not be very familiar with verse 14 to 16. So I'm trying to guide you how to read the Bible properly, right? You've got to give the Bible a chance to get into your brain so that you can keep that part of the Bible so then when you read verse 17 and 18, it's a little bit more correct, yeah? You get the better sense of what was the context or the background, okay? So basically what Peter was mentioning, that at that time, there were people that were twisting Paul's words. Yeah, Paul's words. Now, twisting Paul's words. Now, Paul's words, when Peter was speaking about Paul's words, what did, he, what did Peter compare it to? Verse 8, 16, yeah? Verse 16. Is that these people, when they were twisting uh, twisting Paul's words, right? Twisting Paul's words, they were doing the same thing as they were twisting the rest of the scriptures. Yeah? So therefore, in that particular context, the background is there were false prophets, right? False teachers twisting the scriptures, right? To match their false beliefs. Right? So they don't, they don't agree with the basic belief, they don't agree with the truth, so they twist the scripture to match their unbelief. Now, Peter was saying that, oh, Paul's words, his epistles, he's a beloved brother, his epistles are hard to understand, right? Hard to understand meaning not, oh, oh, it's literally really hard, right? It's hard to understand because you have to be taught and you have to be stable to appreciate what Paul was teaching. Yeah? So when Peter was talking about this, he was basically comparing, integrating the fact that Paul's words were scriptural. Yeah? So when people were twisting Paul's words, they were twisting it to their own destruction, just like these guys, they were twisting the scriptures to their own destruction. They were doing the same thing. Yeah? So let's just say, right? Just, just say, if I, uh, if I preach, uh, oh, um, we need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, right? Yeah? Not in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, and I give you the Bible proof, da, 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 right? And then someone stands up and says, no, we don't have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus says we are to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah? So therefore, that kind of twisting, yeah, twisting of what I said is twisting to their own destruction. And then they interpret the, what Jesus says, twisting it in a way so that matches their unbelief so I go against the truth of baptize, baptism in the name of Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah? So that is the kind of example that uh, what, uh, what uh, Peter was uh, uh, highlighting. Yeah? So, can I ask you a question? If this was happening in the time of the apostolic church, and if you put yourself back in the time of the apostolic church, right, 
when it was going downwards, would you have been able to discern, uh-oh, something is wrong? Would you have been able to discern? You probably wouldn't, isn't it? Why? Because maybe we're not so clued up in the basic beliefs, isn't it true? We didn't see it as part of our salvation. So when someone twists it, we'll just say, we just see it as a, oh, that's another opinion, right? And that is where the danger lies. Yeah? Or when someone says slightly different, a little bit flowery, a little bit more decorated, a little bit more highly logical argument, placed so nicely, you know, prolonged argument, and page after page after page, you may not have noticed that false teaching has been creeping in. Yeah? So what I'm trying to say is that was the kind of background in the time when Peter was writing this. People were twisting things. Yeah? So now if you look at verse 17, Second Peter chapter uh, 3, verse 17, it says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, lest, uh, beware lest you also fall from your steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. True? So that means the way or the errors of the wicked can affect us. Yeah? The way, the error of the wicked, we can be led away. Yeah? Some of us may say, huh, I am so clued up on my 10 articles of faith. If someone comes up to me and tell me something different, I know what to do. I will be able to tell immediately they are wrong. They are the false prophets. They are the false teachers. Now, if the spiritual battle is as simple as getting a bit of knowledge in my head and remembering it, be able to regurgitate it and be able to preach to others, to evangelize, etc. If it was as simple as that, right? If it was as simple as that, then why did the apostolic church depart from the truth so that the Holy Spirit departed? If it was as simple as that, true? So we are totally kidding ourselves if we are just thinking, oh, we just need a bit of information here and there and then pray about it and then job done. We are safe and secure. No. We are naive if we think like that. Does that set the context? Now, since the apostolate church declined, and we are the restored apostolate church, isn't it true that the spiritual battle will get harder and harder? Isn't it that the evil one will work through people and do things in a more subtle, subtle, subtle way so that we won't be able to pick it up that easily? Isn't it true? Isn't it true that the evil one and his gang, they will work in a ways that will exploit our weaknesses, our spiritual blind spot, exploit it so highly pointed that we didn't know what hit us? Isn't it true? Do you think that Satan is just like, oh, you, you appear with the horns and, and the fork and a, a wiggle of the tail, yeah? No, that's cartoon. Right? If you think that's what's going to happen, oh, oh he's going to lead people to, to be possessed and then we know he's here, right? No. Yeah? Evil one, yeah, when people give foothold to the devil, yeah, the evil one will work through people. Let's turn to Second Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter 2, 
This is the horrific thing, but it paints absolutely clear-cut picture of what happens. Yeah, let's look at Second uh, Timothy chapter two. Second Timothy chapter two. Let's look at verse uh, twenty-five and twenty-six. Yeah, Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-five and twenty-six. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance. So that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Now read that carefully. When someone has given foothold to the devil, which means that they are opposing the truth, what has happened to them? In verse 26, they have lost their senses. Yeah? They have lost their senses. What senses? spiritual sense of what is God's will and they have come under the snare of the devil yeah the snare of the devil which means get trapped trapped right and then they have been taken captive by the evil one the devil to do the devil's will brothers and sisters can I ask you a question what does the devil want to do does the devil want to save the church or destroy the church? Destroy it. Is he going to do it in a way that is going to be really barbaric? Or is it going to be very subtle, sensuous, exploit human weaknesses? Is he going to do it that way? He will. And that's what he's doing. Yeah? So, since we know that is true, right? Isn't it? better for us to protect ourselves and really grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ yeah isn't it better to do that okay so now I'm going to move on and I'm going to help us understand now let's look up back at 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 17 now 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 17 for this lesson um, and, and the second lesson of today, uh, which is a last-minute addition, right? So I'm going to talk about Peter, yeah? Peter, okay? Why am I talking about Peter? Now look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. Peter says, Beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. Yeah? Now when you look at this particular phrase fall from your own steadfastness do you think that Peter himself also had some kind of experience of falling from his own steadfastness did Peter have his own steadfastness before he received the Holy Spirit did he fall from his own steadfastness does that make sense? Okay. So the whole point, and I'm trying to help us each other, right? Because I also experienced that. I thought I was pretty secure, pretty right before God. And then, lo and behold, when things happened, whoa, didn't hold that integrity, did you? Yeah? Ah, you, ah, you compromised. Yeah? So what I'm trying to explain is that we all go through this yeah it's not humiliating it's humbling to wake up to the fact 
that we also have our own steadfastness. We insist, I am okay. I am safe and sound. I am going to be safe to the end and I don't need to change. I don't, I don't need to change at all. Because we are like Peter. Shall we look into Peter's life? Let's go. Peter had his own steadfastness. Yeah, let's turn to Luke chapter 22, verse 31 to 34. Now, if you read through this very quickly, you will realize that um, Peter, uh, you know, insisted that um, he will not deny Jesus. Okay? But Jesus says, no, 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 you are going to deny me. Yeah, you are going to deny me. Yeah, verse 34. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. So, you know, Peter was absolutely, probably felt insulted, isn't it? Yeah, felt insulted. Brothers, sisters, if I was to approach you and says, be careful, yeah, you're going to fall short. Be careful, there's a, something ahead of you, you may become like soul, right? Yeah. <laughs> if I come up to you and say that, you would say, what? You're God? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. What do you say? You know the future, right? We are like Peter because we don't like to feel how is it possible I will fail. We don't. And we, we are like Peter because we don't like to be told in the future we could fail because that's not how we feel. Yeah, We don't feel, we feel. Now, if you look carefully, verse 31 to 34, is that a prophecy from Jesus? Is that a prophecy from Jesus? It's a prophecy, isn't it? So Jesus prophesied what was going to happen to Peter. But Peter couldn't take it because that's not how he felt. How he felt was different from what Jesus said about him. Now, this is the point that we need to bring into our hearts. Okay? We are like Peter. We hold on to our own steadfastness. So, first of all, Peter sacrificed all to follow Jesus, right? I think all of us are like this. Well, well, come on, we left our family, we left our you know, jobs, and well-paid and secure future. We left all of it to follow Jesus, right? So basically, if I don't have the heart, who has the heart? That kind of thing, right? So this kind of steadfastness is in us because we try to qualify ourselves, okay? Now, Paul had spiritual abilities given to him. He had opportunity. Yeah, so when you look into Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, Jesus sent the 12 um, with power to heal, cast out demons, preach the gospel. Hey, if, if, if Peter doesn't have steadfastness, proven by the fact that he had a God-given ability, the power to cast out demons. Do you have power to cast out demons? You don't, right? Okay. Do you have power to cure diseases, illnesses? No, you don't, right? So there, but Peter had the spiritual abilities. 
Then Peter knew what would happen to Jesus. Let's turn to this verse. This is important, right? Let's turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 21. Luke chapter 9, verse 21. Okay? Luke chapter 9, verse 21. Let's read. 9, verse 21. Okay. Verse 21. Let's read. 1, 2, 1, uh, 21 and 22. 1, 22. Ready? 1, 2, 3. Saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Now, if you think about it, that is Jesus foretelling what will happen to him. So, now, if you think about, at the beginning, I said, right, sometimes we just, you know, listen to information, right? So, I mean, Peter received, heard what would happen to Jesus. Now, you would have thought that would have made a massive spiritual difference to Peter, no? But can you see here that Peter heard it with his own ears from Jesus himself, and yet it did not stay in his heart. It didn't. So when, when Peter did not receive the words of Jesus wholeheartedly, understanding the spiritual significance, no wonder he held on to his own steadfastness. True? If he did hear Jesus says that I'm going to suffer, I'll be killed, and I'll be raised the third day, right? If he understood it, then he would not have said, I will go to die with you so confidently. Yeah? So we find it that Peter had his own steadfastness. So basically, there is a spiritual disability in all of us. A spiritual disability in all of us, meaning that we don't quite get it. We hear it time and again, but we don't quite get it. Because if we did get it, then why were we living with self-denial all this time? True? Because we didn't get it. We are like Peter. We don't get spiritual stuff so easily. We get the knowledge. We get the sound bites. We get it makes an emotional impression on us, but we don't actually totally get it because we are sticking to our own steadfastness. So we find it that we know what happened to Peter because Peter fell from his own steadfastness because inside him there was an element of pride, isn't it? Yeah? That's the truth. There's no other things, right? It's an element of pride in him. He couldn't really swallow that what Jesus was identifying, Peter, you know what? You're going to fall short. You're not going to be able to keep what you said you will do. Die with me, go with me. You're not going to be able to do that. And that's shocking, isn't it? So usually when we hear the word of God, the prophetic word of God, there's the element of pride where we can't see entirely the warning from Jesus. We can't. Yeah? Because of our pride in our hearts. And that is our sinful nature. Right? So Peter was not willing to humbly accept the prophetic utterance of the word of the Lord. Is that serious, by the way? Is that serious? It's serious, right? Now think about it, right? Think about it. Now I'm gonna get this knowledge thing into your mind. Right? So let's turn to, yeah, let's turn to 
Yeah, John chapter 6, and we'll come back to this verse. Let's turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 68. 68. Now, what did uh, Simon Peter profess when Jesus asked him, do you also want to go away? Yeah, what did Simon Peter say? John chapter 6, verse 68. But Simon Peter answered Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Words of eternal life. True. So he basically labeled Jesus' words as words of eternal life. Isn't it quite funny when Jesus warned about his spiritual self, his future spiritual self, right? That he's going to fail, he couldn't take it. Isn't that funny? Strange, huh? Because he labeled the words of Jesus, well, who am I going to go to? You are the one that have the words of eternal life. If I don't go to you, don't listen to you, who do I listen to? But at that moment when Jesus was identifying a spiritual weakness in him, he says, uh-uh, not me. Other people, but not me. We do that, you see. We do that. We can't admit it until we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into that particular point. Yeah? <clears throat> so we can see that Peter had his own steadfastness. He had his own steadfastness. How Peter fell from his own steadfastness? Well, if you look at the you know, denial one, denial two, denial three, right? Do you know when a person comes under pressure, right? Come, comes under pressure. You know, the servant girl sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him in front of everyone. Imagine the immense pressure, right? Immense pressure. And then another person said, oh, after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. You also are of them. You're pointed out in front of everyone. And then another one, right? Says, after an hour, after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. So what happened to Peter? He denied, denied, denied. Isn't it? Says, he denied. This is something you probably have not noticed before. Think about how Peter denied. How did Peter deny? He didn't say, uh, uh I don't know him. It wasn't as simple as that. What did the Bible say? The Bible says he, but again, he denied with an oath. Is that serious, by the way? To say, I don't know, about, and then put an oath on top of it, is that serious? That is totally serious because Peter was so scared to bits that he wanted to let everyone know, no, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, don't know the man. And he put an oath on top of it. Was that a massive lie? It was a lie plus a false oath. Was that serious? Very serious, right? Now, if you look at continue. Now, this is, this is another bit, verse 74. Then he began to curse and swear saying, I do not know the man. Wow, that is... This is not what you expect of a 
Yeah, a person that followed Jesus for three years, right? Can you see how frail, flippant, easily changing a human being is? Because he was falling from his own steadfastness. Fear took over. Fear took over. His being found out, the potential that he will lose his life if he is identified he is a follower of Jesus, that was too much for Peter. Every feeling he had in his bones, in his body, in his soul, every confidence totally evaporated, collapsed, gone to nothing. Worth nothing, yeah? Worth nothing. It is true. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. It's the same what Jesus says. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. We read it just like that, isn't it? But can you see in Peter's experience it's not so easy? Because when push comes to shove, we don't want to lose. We don't want to lose. We don't. Scary, huh? Now, as we are reading through Peter's denials, right? Don't think. I used to think like that, by the way. So I've got my hands up, right? I used to think, oh, I wouldn't be like Peter. Nah, nah, I wouldn't be like Peter. Like, Peter is rubbish, you know? Like, oh, smack, smack. <laughs> yeah, naughty, naughty. Yeah, yeah. We are very easy to laugh at other people's weaknesses until you get hit with it in the same way. So, this is the interesting bit, right? After Peter's denials, what happened? Well, he did deny. And if you look at verse 61, 61, yeah? And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. It's funny how our memory operates, isn't it? Obviously, the, the way that the Bible is written is not the fact that Peter remembered, it's that Jesus turned and looked at Peter. That is why Peter remembered. Yeah. You will find it that when Jesus turns to you and looks at you, you, you may not have seen it, right? But when Jesus turns to you and looks at you, suddenly you remember what you had forgotten, what you did not take seriously, what you did, didn't take to heart. Suddenly you remember. Suddenly it dawns on you, what have I done? Why did I do that? You feel awful, you feel shame, you just want to run out and cry and just, man, I just want the whole ground to swallow me up. So that was after Peter's denials, right? He went out and wept bitterly. Now the whole point I'm trying to ask this question, right? I want to give you guys a thought. Is it enough 
Peter went out and wept bitterly. Because it's emotional, right? So at least Peter is being remorseful. He's being remorseful, right? Come on. His heart, he's heartbroken. He's heartbroken. He's, he couldn't, he was humbled and realized that he did not hold on to what he said he would do with the Lord and do for the Lord. He couldn't. He cried his eyes out, right? Can I ask you this question? Did Jesus send Peter out to do God's work at this moment? Obviously not, right? So what, this, what is the insight, the spiritual insight this gives to us? If a person goes out and weeps bitterly, it doesn't mean they are qualified yet, re-qualified yet, to do God's work. Does that make sense? Yeah? No one could weep more bitterly than Peter. Yeah? So the insight is to tell us when someone goes out and weeps bitterly, we need to let them go through the process. Does that make sense? Imagine this, right? Peter understood what he did wrong, right? Suppose you're a very nice disciple. Oh, Peter, Peter, it's all right. You know, you, yeah, you did swear an oath, denying Jesus, you did, yeah, but we can all make the same mistake, isn't it? You know, yeah, we can all make the same mistake, right? Oh, you swore, you, you cursed and swore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I, I, I can make the same mistake as well. You know, oh, come on, it's all right. Don't cry, don't cry. Don't weep bitterly, right? Right? And then he doesn't even... So can you see where I'm coming from? It's almost like we are not willing to let that person go through the process realizing that they have done wrong. And if we're not careful we may dilute the seriousness of what they've done wrong, isn't it? But isn't that the process that Jesus wanted Peter to go through? So beware, when someone has done wrong, we need to let them get to the point of like Peter, Because that was the process that Jesus led them, led Peter to. Okay? Having an emotional response, did Jesus judge that it is enough for Peter to be sent to help his brethren? Did Peter, did Jesus turn to Peter and says, Right, you're crying bitterly? Right, off you go. Go and help the others with their faith. Uh-uh. No, no, no. Jesus did not do that yet. So, though Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, this is the shocking finding, right? Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Let's look at verse 12. Now, after Jesus died and resurrected, right? And Peter heard, oh, there's no one in the tomb. Peter arose and ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. So, 
Peter saw the empty tomb. But if you look at Luke chapter 24, verse 38, did Jesus appear to Peter and the rest of the disciples? Yes, he did. Now, what did Jesus say? Verse 38, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? Did that include Peter? Yes, it did. So therefore, even though, right, even though Peter wept bitterly, even though Jesus appeared in his heart, he still doubted. Isn't that strange? Strange, huh? Jesus is right before you and you still doubt. So at this moment in time, when Peter still had some doubts in his heart, could he be qualified to go out to do God's work? Was it suitable? Is it suitable? Not suitable at all. Now, do you know what the grace, yeah, the grace, yeah, is that Jesus worked on Peter and the disciples. Jesus worked on the disciples. Now, if you look at verse 41, but while they still did not believe for joy and marvel, he said to them, now, think about this one, right? They had joy. They were like, whoa, marveled. But they did not believe. So when they have an emotional, elated, you know, response, right? Are they qualified to do God's work? No, because they did not believe. They did not believe for joy. Now, will Jesus have sent Peter in such a condition? Uh-uh, no. Follow the Bible. The Bible tells us how Jesus works to build us up to serve God properly. Peter was not sent at this moment. No, uh, no, he wasn't. Now, do you remember in John chapter uh, 21, verse 15 to 17, and Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? Remember that? Yeah? Okay. Now, the Lord directed Peter's love for him to his own lamb and sheep. Okay? Yeah. So basically, the way that Peter replied is that, I have affection for you. Yeah? That was Peter's reply. I have affection for you. Okay? So that was his, you know, his, his commitment to Jesus, right? But then the question is this. Having affection for Jesus, is that enough? Is it enough? Knowing what to do. Oh, feed my lamb, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Oh, I know what to do now. I have this affection. Let me go and do it and repay God's grace. Yeah. Now the thing is, if you look at uh, John chapter 21, let's turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21 Let's look at verse 17. Yeah, the last part of verse 17. P 
Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, you love me. Yeah. What does it mean when Peter was grieved? He wasn't grieved the first time Jesus asked him, right? He wasn't grieved when Jesus asked him the second time, do you love me? He was grieved the third time, right? Why, why, why the third time he was grieved? Three times matches up with the three times he denied Jesus, true? Now, I want to ask you this question. Was Jesus being kind or was Jesus being cruel? Coming at the end of the day, he's already cried his eyes out in Luke chapter 22. He's already cried his eyes out. He's already wept bitterly. Why is Jesus doing this to Peter again? Why? Why is it seems that Jesus is putting Peter to shame? Was Jesus putting Peter to shame? Or was Jesus helping Peter to become completely renewed, clean? What was Jesus doing? Let's turn to Second Peter chapter 7 verse 10. Second Peter chapter 7 verse 10 talks about godly sorrow, right? Godly sorrow. So basically what Jesus was doing, the Lord was probing Peter's conscience. Yeah, that was what Jesus was doing. He was probing Peter's conscience. As Jesus was doing that, Peter became broken. He was attentive of his weaknesses. He had profound insight to his limitations he was ever afraid he was afraid ever to brag again because he knew Jesus knows all things Peter was keenly aware never to lift himself above the prophetic word of God but the thing is changing feeling was not enough. Peter needed to be taught and believe in the truth in the scriptures. And I will talk more about that in the second lesson. So let's take a, let's take a step back and recall what we have just heard, what we have just read. Now we realize that all that takes a lot of reflection, right? Because it's all something that all of us, by varying degrees, we can identify with. So therefore, it must be we need to learn from Peter. If we don't, we won't be able to stand when temptations, when people who preach falsehood or lawless, we won't be able to stand we will be led away by the evil one. Does that make sense now? Yeah. Let's bow our heads in silent prayer. Amen. 
let's uh, rest for about uh, about five minutes. Yeah, five minutes. Thank you.